Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? The 2018 Boston Red Sox are World Series champions. Yes, I know this is a Boston Celtics podcast, but we have to give love to all the Boston sports teams. I just got back from all the celebrations. Congratulations to the 2018 Boston Red Sox World Series champions. What a performance by David Price in Game 5, huh? Absolutely incredible. But welcome to Episode 13 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Timmy G, your Boston Celtics favorite season ticket holder how's everyone doing and because it is episode 13 let's start off with this right away and now it is time for the celtics stud and the celtics dud of the week Okay, this week's Celtic stud and dud of the week. It is time in episode number 13. The stud goes to Marcus Morris, number 13 in the program, number one in your heart so far this season. Arguably the best Celtics player five, six games into the season so far. So props to Marcus Morris. He is a Celtics stud this week. 21-10 and 10 versus the Thunder, and he scored 17 points versus the Pistons. An absolutely great Great performance by Marcus Morris the past couple weeks. Shout out to him. And then the dud this week is Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, yes, he had a great game versus the Pistons, over 15 points, almost 20 points actually, and he finally looked comfortable out there on the floor, but against the Magic, he shot 22% from the field, only had five points, and then he was one for eight on the floor versus OKC. And yes, I understand at times Paul George was guarding him, but to score only six points in such a big game on national TV like that, he was the dud this week. All right, let's get through all the normal Celtics banner banter podcast stuff iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it, that's where we are. Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast and the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. The Celtics had three games this week. They lost to the Magic 93 to 90 last Monday. The Celtics then beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in an absolutely crazy game 101 to 95 on Thursday. And then they beat the Pistons. They absolutely destroyed them, beat them by 20 points this past Saturday. They now move to 4 and 2 on the year. And they've, you know, I'm going to recap all the games, but I feel like. Every game so far has been an improvement for the Celtics, especially from if you look at them Monday, they sucked. Thursday, they kind of sucked, and then they were really good. And then Friday, uh, on Saturday, they were absolutely incredible against the Pistons. So let's first start off with the Magic game. The Magic game, in plain English, the offense wasn't there. They couldn't hit the ocean. They shot 9 for 40 from three-point range, and it was it was almost embarrassing to be there and even worse to watch. It, it it was terrible. At at this point, the Celtics are the only team in the NBA not to average 100 points per game. Now, I'm pretty sure they might have cracked it after the, the Pistons game on Saturday, but after the Magic game, they were the only team in the NBA not to average 100 points per game. But the positive about that is they were also the only NBA team 
including the Nuggets, so Celtics and the Nuggets, to not give up more than 100 points per game. So the defense was there, but the offense is not. And it finally clicked this past Saturday, but that Magic game was absolutely brutal. They literally produced .88 points per possession. That's less than a point per possession. Brutal. Brutal. And one of the things that you can notice a lot in the Magic game versus the Pistons game was there was a lot of iso ball. Just a lot of guys getting the ball and being super selfish, seeing if they can break down the defender off the dribble, not pass it to the open guys. And it was infuriating, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, the the game was in hand to win. They, the Celtics were down double digits for a majority of the game, and then they finally cut it down to like five or six. And the Celtics were in the bonus with eight minutes to go. So all you had to do was attack the basket. You're at home. You're probably going to get some foul calls. Go to the free throw line. See the ball go in. Get some confidence and win that um, a winnable ball game. I mean, the Magic are not really that good. Yes, I understand the Magic have those athletic big men, and we'll get that. We'll get to that in a couple seconds. But you can't attack. I mean, you can't not attack the hoop with eight minutes to go when you're in the bonus. If they're already committing this many fouls, they can. If they can commit five fouls in four minutes, guess how many they're going to commit over the next eight if you attack the basket? And that was super, super frustrating. Now, of course, it didn't help that Kyrie was two for eight from the from three, and Jason Tatum was three for 12 from the field, and the Celtics were just terrible offensively. And even Terry Rozier said that the team was being selfish, and the team needs to worry about the team's best shot instead of individual shots. So he was kind of calling out a couple guys. But... The athletic big men, I don't understand why the Celtics have such a hard time with it. It, it. It's absolutely unbelievable. For a team that's so athletic with so many wings, and it's not like these athletic bigs are like posting guys up and scoring in the paint. I mean, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, they spread the floor so well for, for the Magic that Tatum can't defend even a big like Aaron Gordon. Sure, Aaron Gordon probably has 20 or 30 pounds on him, but like if Aaron Gordon is 10... 12 feet from the basket, Jason Tatum should be there to defend him. And, you know, sure, at times Gordon Hayward can't guard someone like Jonathan Isaac from the Magic because, you know, the height difference, the size difference, that makes sense. But someone like Jason Tatum to not be able to guard Aaron Gordon was so infuriating. And Daniel Tice came in for a bit. I wish he, again, he played a little bit more. And we'll talk about how great he played on Saturday against the Pistons because everything is coming up Saturday versus the Pistons. But Daniel Tice can play okay against someone like Jonathan Isaac. But there's so many athletic bigs on the Magic. It, it really hurt the Celtics. And that's why they lost 93-90 to this past Monday. And I guess you could say really the the game of the week, even though it was very ugly at first, but the game of the week was against the Thunder. Thursday night, TNT game in Oklahoma City. And the game was all about runs. You know, at the beginning of the game, Celtics went on a little bit of a run. And then the Thunder went on a huge run and they really just blew up the lead. And at one point, the Celtics were down 20 plus points. And it was just so infuriating. The Celtics then went on a 19 to five run in the third, then the Thunder went on a 15 to six run in the fourth. And then the Celtics closed out the game on a 16 to one run. Think about that. The Celtics closed out the game on a 16 to one run. Absolutely incredible. They scored 40 points in the third quarter. Think about that. 40 points in the third quarter where they only they scored less than 40 points in the first half combined between the first and the second quarter. I I really don't understand it. And the craziest part, when the Celtics did take over the lead with a minute left to go in the third quarter, that was the first time leading in a game for 83 minutes worth of basketball. How infuriating is that? 
uh, for for a team this talented, yes, I understand October basketball is not like October baseball. Again, shout out to the Red Sox, World Series champions. But you, you have to be kidding me. The Celtics can't not lead for 83 minutes. They, that won't work in the playoffs. It won't work in the regular season. They had to do it. But Al Horford was fantastic in this game. And, you know, we we bring back the, is Al Horford good? Yes. Al Horford was great on Thursday night against the Thunder. He did a great job on Steven Adams. Steven Adams is much more athletic and much more physical than Al Horford. You know, you wish you had Aaron Baines in these type of situations, but again, Aaron Baines didn't play all week due to his strained hamstring. He should be back tomorrow against the Pistons, but we'll see about that. Again, we don't have to push Aaron Baines to come back. It's beginning of the season, and from all the reports that I'm hearing, if this was the playoffs, he would be out in the court. But Aaron Baines, Steven Adams, the physicality there, it would have been even. But with Al Horford, he's really not a physical big man, as we know. And Steven Adams is, and he did a great job defensively. And Al Horford hit three three three-pointers in a row in the third quarter when the Celtics went on their 19-5 run. And it was fantastic to see. Now, is Al Horford maybe taking a little, probably a little too many three-pointers for my liking? Yeah. Yeah, he is, but that's okay because he is also wide open. It's not like he's conta- he's taking contested three-pointers. I mean, guys like Kyrie attract so much defense off the pick and roll that if Kyrie can find the open man, just give him the ball, and hopefully it goes in, and it, and it did against the Thunder. But most importantly, one of the great parts about this Thunder win was the BWA, bench with an attitude. They were great, even semi Ojale chipped in and had a bunch of key defensive plays and good offensive plays. He he wasn't afraid to attack the basket, went to the free throw lines a, a couple times. Some of the stats really weren't ideal for the BWA, but you got to think that Marcus Morris was a plus 16. Marcus Smart, a plus 13. That means when Marcus Morris was on the floor, the Celtics were 16 points better than the Thunder. And you know what's crazy? Guess who was a minus 16? Paul George. Paul George is a top 20 maybe even top 15 NBA player. And the fact that Marcus Morris was basically 32 points better than him on the floor was absolutely incredible. Again, the defense, remember how I told you, the defense has been holding teams to less than 100 points. Not for every game. you got to think of the Knicks game and the Raptors game when, when they didn't. But they're averaging less than 100 points a game to the other team. And guess what they did? They did the same thing for the Thunder. Westbrook. Paul George were a combined 12 of 42. Now, the Thunder aren't going to win that many games when their two best players are 12 for 42, but if the Celtics can do that to a bunch of team stars, they're going to go a long way. Now, they really didn't do it that well against Kawhi Leonard or Kyle Lowry against the Raptors, but they did do a good job on Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons when they played the 76ers. If this defense can keep up all season long and the bench can give us plus 16s and plus 13s, I know the season hasn't been that great, but that's a huge positive, and it's only going to get better, so think of it that way. But again, you know, the offense really did struggle, and it it was absolutely crazy. They scored 34 points in the first half, 34 points, and then in the second, uh, the third quarter, they scored 40, and then they ended up scoring over 100. It's just banana land. The offense in the third quarter, 
it wasn't as good as it was in the first half of the Pistons game on Saturday, but man, the ball was just zipping around. Everyone was finding the open man. No selfish individual shots, minus, you know, a few Marcus Morris contested jumpers. We're going to live with that. It, you know, it's kind of like my, my buddy Brian. He, he stood by David Price all season. David Price is his man, and I'm going to stand by Marcus Morris. I hope this doesn't jinx him, but I'm going to stand by Marcus Morris. You know what? I hate your contested jumpers, but keep shooting them. You've you've been the best player on the team so far. You're you're scoring lights out. You've already got a couple double doubles. Keep keep doing your thing, Marcus Morris. Shoot or shoot. You do the damn thing, Marcus Morris. You the now, sorry, I literally just blacked out supporting Marcus Morris. But one of the cool things about what the Celtics did in the third quarter of that basketball game was they hit nine three pointers. They hit nine three pointers in twelve minutes of basketball on Thursday. But then Monday against the Magic, they hit nine three pointers. In four quarters total. Think about that. You want to talk about living or dying by the three? Absolutely unbelievable. And that's what the Celtics have been doing this year. Now, these nine three pointers that the Celtics hit in the third quarter was the second time in franchise history they have hit nine or more three pointers in one quarter. The last time they did that was back against the Atlanta Hawks on November 17th in 2001. They were, they made 10 three pointers in one quarter. How cool is that? That the fact that Thursday night was something that the Boston Celtics, one of the most storied franchise in the NBA, literally did something that they've only done once before. So, so cool. Now, our Banner Banter investigation this week is actually about someone who was on that team that hit three out of the 10 three-pointers. So let's do it. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, so this week's Banner Banter Investigation is about Milt Palacio. Let me pronounce that for you again. Milt Palacio. He hit three out of the ten Celtics three-pointers back against the Hawks in 2001 where they hit ten three-pointers in one quarter. Now, Milt Palacio played in the NBA for seven years. He was a f- he went to two different colleges. His freshman year, he went to Midland College. No idea where that is. And then his sophomore, junior, and senior year, he went to Colorado State. He didn't average more than 10 points a game while he was in college until his senior year, where he went 18 points a game, five boards, and four assists. He was actually an unsigned rookie. As in, oh, I'm sorry, an undrafted rookie in the 1999 draft, and he was signed by the Vancouver Grizzlies. Then he got cut by them, and he signed with the Celtics in December of 2000. So he was literally with the team for less than a year when he was part of this record-breaking quarter that they have. And what he is most known for, they called him Miracle Milt. And what happened was, a few days after Christmas back in 2000, literally three or four weeks after he was signed, the Celtics were down two against the Nets in New Jersey, and he stole an inbound pass and threw it up with one hand from about, I don't know, 28 or 30 feet away, and it went in. And here's actually the call from Mike and Tommy. So after he made that play, literally two weeks later, he was cut by the Celtics. And then five days after that, he signed a 10-day contract. And then after that 10-day contract was done, he then signed a remainder of the season contract. 
Then in February of 2002, he was traded with Randy Brown, Joe Johnson, and a first rounder to the Phoenix Suns for Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers. Now, Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers, when they came over to the Celtics, as some of you may know, really kind of changed the atmosphere for the Celtics. They went deep for a couple playoff runs, and they were a huge help. And so I guess Milt Palacio kind of helped the Celtics out. Now, after he was traded to the Phoenix Suns, he played for the Cavs, the Raptors, and the Jazz. Now, we... I've mentioned money, especially, you know, with guys like Sherman Douglas last week about how much money they've made, because I've always find it fascinating, you know, that, you know, Sherman Douglas, he played in the league for so long and he made $20 million where now, you know, you can make $20 million in a year and a half if your name's Marcus Smart, you know, just, so just think about how much that's changed. And he played in the NBA for seven years and he only made $4.9 million and he only had one season where he made over a million dollars pretty pretty crazy when you actually think about that especially since he played like in 99 2000 2001 2002 etc etc so after his NBA career ended he played overseas in Serbia and Russia and then when he was done playing over there he then became the director of player development at the University of Idaho then after that he actually coached a FIBA America Cup team which you know I think is pretty cool and right now he is the assistant and watch how this all comes together for the Long Island Nets the Brooklyn Nets G League team. So he's most known for breaking New New Jersey Nets fans' hearts, and now he's working for the Brooklyn Nets. See how that all comes together? The circle of life. Okay, now let's get into the Pistons game from this past Saturday night because what the Celtics did against the Pistons on the road, the Pistons came into the game undefeated, did not lose all season long, and what they did, I thought, was exactly what we all thought the Boston Celtics should and would look like this season. Now, I understand the first five games were bipolar, basically, borderline terrible, because the first game they came out and we were like, oh boy, they destroyed the 76ers, they're all good, and then they did it, kind of were flat after that. But I, defensively, they were fantastic, because Blake Griffin, at the time, was the NBA leading scorer. Okay, Blake Griffin... What Dwayne Casey did for Blake Griffin has really helped versus what Stan Van Gundy did for him. But with Drummond and Blake Griffin, the two of them together, they finally figured out how to coexist, and it was great for Blake Griffin. And they defended Andre Drummond really well, especially Al Horford. Drummond is much bigger and much more physical, just kind of like Steven Adams was on Thursday, and Horford did a great job on him. And then it was, I, I was very interested to see where... Jalen Brown came out and actually defended Blake Griffin, where you figured, hey, why isn't Tatum guarding him just size-wise? But Jalen Brown did a pretty damn good job on Blake Griffin, and the team defense overall really... Blake Griffin sucked in that game and played in English, and it was because of the great things that the Boston Celtics did defensively. Now, the Celtics' offense in the first half was spot-on. I mean... You could say, sure, they didn't score 40 points in a quarter like they did in the third quarter. So you figure, oh, that was probably the best the offense looked all week. And no, it wasn't. The first and second quarter, the ball was just zipping around. Guys were moving around. They're actually finding open people. Gordon Hayward actually got some open jump shots. Like They found Gordon Hayward in the corner, which was great to see. Jalen Brown was attacking the basket. Jalen Brown was making jump shots. Kyrie made a jump shot early. But if at the end of the day... Tatum, Horford, and Irving combined for less than 15 points. 
the three of them. Those are arguably your three best players. If you were to look at, you know, on paper, Tatum, Horford, Irving, not in that order, are your best players. And the Celtics beat an undefeated team, a team that could make the playoffs by 20 points, and those guys score less than 15 points combined. Absolutely incredible. Now, speaking of incredible, you have to talk about Daniel Tice. Six of seven shooting in the first half, 14 and seven in the first half. Those are his stats. Six of seven from the field, 14 points and seven boards in the first half. The the BWA did their thing for the second straight night. The BWA is legit. And the best, I'm sorry, the second best point differential lineup in the NBA is Daniel Tice, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Smart. Think about that. Go ahead. I'll let you think about it. That's crazy, right? Absolutely crazy that that those five are really your arguably the second best lineup in the NBA and the best lineup on the Boston Celtics. Now, is that going to last for a long time? No, but for right now, we'll enjoy it. Now, the Celtics were a little lazy in the third quarter, and that's okay. The Pistons got it down to 15. You know, at one point, the Celtics were up 30, and they got it down to 15. So that was a little frustrating to see, but. In the fourth quarter, Robert Williams came out, and the very first play he was in, Marcus Smart threw a great alley-oop to him. Oh, man, it was that was a sexy-looking shot. I I mean, pass. I, I really enjoyed that. It was a great little play by Brad right after a timeout. And, you know, Brad Stevens ATOs. Ugh, the, what he did in the Thunder game with some of those Brad Stevens ATOs were fantastic. And he really drew up some good plays for the BWA, for guys who really don't play a lot of minutes. And it, and it was great to see. I think Robert Williams, again, is slowly improving day by day and learning more and more. He really slid off that pick very nicely. And he had a, a couple possessions later. He had a nice block shot. Again, guards cannot shoot over Robert Williams. I think it was Ish Smith. It might have been or it might have been Stanley Johnson. But either one shot the ball, and I swear to God, the ball was so high in the air, and Robert Williams still got up and got it and swatted it out. And, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart guy, but the last few games, he is passing the ball very well. He's really not forcing it like he does at times and being lazy with it or trying to be too cute, but Marcus Morris is passing the ball very well, and as long as he continues to pass and not shoot, we're going to be very, very happy. Okay, let's talk about the three upcoming games that the Celtics have this week. Two home games and one game on the road. The first home game is against the Pistons, Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Let's hope they have the same exact performance that they did on Saturday. If not, at least let's try and get a W. And it did help that Andre Drummond did get in foul trouble right away. He got two fouls in the first quarter, and that's kind of like when the Celtics really started to extend the lead. So hopefully the Celtics will attack the basket more. They can hit their jumpers just like they were the other night, and we can get another W. And then Thursday night, we have a big game. TD Garden, 8 o'clock, TNT once again, and the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo come into town. The Milwaukee Bucks are 6-0 as I'm recording this podcast. They are the best team in the East right now. Sure, you could say the Raptors, but Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be your MVP if he keeps playing the way that he's playing. He's averaging 25, 15, and 5. That's 25 points, 15 boards, and 5 assists a game. We obviously had a hard time with the Bucks in the playoffs. Seven-game series, almost lost to them. I would be completely honest with you, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics lose this game by a lot. Chris Middleton, so good. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, so good. They have Brooke Lopez. They got Erlia Silva from the 76ers. They're deep. Eric Bledsoe, Scary Terry. The rivalry is back. It's a very important game, I think, for the Celtics. If the Celtics can beat a great Western Conference team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, an undefeated Pistons team twice, and then the Bucks, and where they already previously beat the Philadelphia 76ers, we have to feel very confident about where the Celtics are. I think they need it as a team. I think they'll their confidence can go to the next level, which will then help them because Saturday night, 7 o'clock, in Indiana, they're playing the Pacers. And I've been talking literally for the past 12 podcasts that the Indiana Pacers are a very good basketball team. And the Celtics went 2-2 two and two against them last year. They're a team that I do not want the Celtics to play in the playoffs because they do not match up with them very well. So this could be a tough week for the Celtics. they got to win tomorrow night against the Pistons and grab one or two, if not both of these games, against the Bucks, the Bucks and the Pacers. Super, super important for them to really win one of these two games like at, at the end of the week you know right now the Celtics are currently four and two at the end of the week if the Celtics are six and three that's great if the Celtics are seven and two super duper but the Celtics cannot be five and four by the end of the week they can't Mm-mm. nope don't like it they gotta win two out of these three games if not all three of them and I think they can I don't know they can beat the Pistons and I think they can beat the Bucks. But I might bite myself in the butt because Giannis might go off because G- Giannis isn't. Giannis is ridiculous. The Greek freak is just playing an insane caliber of basketball. And can the Celtics team defense control that? Hopefully. Hopefully they can do that. But it's going to be super interesting because Horford is getting older and Giannis is only getting better. So keep an eye out on that game. I'm really excited. I, I got to work that night. I'm bummed that I can't go to the game. But it it's going to be a doozy of a game and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. And I'm going to end this podcast just on a couple of quick thoughts. The first is Brian Windhorst came out with a report about Kyrie Irving and how NBA GMs really aren't believing that he is going to resign with the Celtics. A lot of NBA GMs spoke to Ryan Windhorst and basically said, "Sure, what he said was great, but a lot of them think it was kind of like a high school recruit." verbally committing to a college but not actually signing with the school so for example if zion williamson from duke verbally committed to unc but then went and actually signed his scholarship to duke a lot of them believe that that might be the case and Kyrie did admit when he was in new york that he put strong considerations towards the knicks about re-signing them or not re-signing signing with them in free agency before he made the announcement to the Celtics fans at the season ticket holder practice that he was going to resign with the Celtics. So if you're an, if you're a Knicks fan or the Knicks GM, why not just be like, Hey, you thought about us. You technically haven't really signed a contract. Why not come our way? So until July comes around, don't, I'm very confident he's going to resign with us, but don't sit around and just think that it's just like, it's all done because it's not and we have to keep an eye on that you know we really and truly have to keep an eye on that make sure Kyrie's happy all year because you think about it Kyrie or Kyrie only scored three points the other night against the Pistons Kyrie wasn't happy in Cleveland because he he wasn't the man and he's not the man now and that's because Jason Tatum is the man right now and it's more of a team versus more of hey I don't want to be next to the greatest basketball player on the planet so it's going to be very interesting to see how, how Kyrie plays that off. And 
I'm very happy that Kyrie said that he's going to resign, but just remember, he hasn't yet. So don't get too comfortable. My final thought is Gordon Hayward so far this year. I think Gordon Hayward has improved a great deal. You know, he has scored 10, 14, 11, 5, and 15. He's rebounding the ball very well. He's averaging over five rebounds a game. And I think that's a good thing. You know, Gordon Hayward's not afraid to go up and get a ball where there's a bunch of people under the basket where he could step on someone's ankle when he lands or land awkwardly on his ankle. And I, and I, and I think that's great. His plus minus numbers really aren't the best. He only's had two plus minus games in the positive all year the Pistons game and the 76ers game where the Celtics won by double digit amount of points his three point okay his shot from the field okay his free throws still aren't there yet and that's okay but you know one thing that we have to consider is after the magic game he did say that his ankle is sore every single time he plays and that's going to take some time and again, and I and I stress it every week, we got to be patient with him. It's okay if Gordon Hayward has a crappy game because if Gordon Hayward has a crappy game and can learn from his mistakes and learn how his body has to be used now in October, it's better to learn that now than in May if they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I'm trying to say? So keep an eye on Gordon Hayward. I think he looks better and better every game, but remember, he's getting more and more sore every game. So it'll be interesting to see how Brad uses him going forward, but you know, the fact that the Celtics are playing Tuesday, playing Thursday, playing Saturday, and then they're going to be in Denver next Monday, how that plays out. Because not a lot of back-to-back, so if Gordon needs more rest, he has those days in between. They're not doing a lot of travel because obviously going from Boston to Indiana to Denver isn't really crazy. You know, it's not like they're going on a long West Coast road road trip. Keep an eye on Gordon Hayward. I think he's improving. As long as he keeps getting open shots and the guys trust him, I think Gordon Hayward can only get better, just like Jalen Brown did. All you need is that one good game, and it it can take you to another level. All right, folks. That is the Banner Banter Podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please tell your family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, Whoever you talk to, congratulations to the 2018 Boston Red Sox for being the World Series champions. Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, every single podcast app you can name, I am on there. This is episode 13. Again, thank you so much for listening. Happy Halloween to everyone. I'm really looking forward to going out with my niece, Rara. She's going as Elmo. I'm going to go as Cookie Monster. And I'm looking forward to eating as many cookies because I... I gave up candy this year, just not for Lent, but like for the entire year. And this is a very hard time for me. And the Boston Celtics are helping me. They're my therapy to say, hey, you know what? It's okay not to eat candy because to see a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, I've, I'm sorry. I'm I'm going down a dark, dark, dark road here. At Banner Banter Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter 18 on the Twitter machine where I do live tweets all game long. If you want to see someone in a glass case of emotion, Follow me on the Twitter machine. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go Celtics. Congratulations again to the Boston Red Sox. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Peace. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.